Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 29 of Shades of Brown. And this week, uh, we're debuting a new new segment called Bad Stuff of the Week. Uh, Christian, you want to read read the headline for this uh, first one? First bad. It's, it's like a little bit of a lightning round, right? Uh, Google is reportedly building a Snapchat Discover competitor into search based off of AMP. And now when... Uh, me and Static, we usually, you know, have a little session before we start recording where we just, like, lay out what we're talking about for the week. And as soon as I said that out loud, we both said at the same time, wow, those are some bad words. Yeah, and, like, none of <laughs> none of those words are, are words that, like, you want to hear ever. Like, these these are not, these are not pleasant words. Like, just no. <laughs> it's just, like, just the fact that I know what, the, just, just the fact that I know what the, all the words mean makes it even worse like it's just it's just bad like it's all amp is bad snapchat discover whatever uh google uh building more amp stuff is is, amp is bad for the web uh moving on from uh amp another bad google thing yeah yeah it's uh crashy android apps will get downranked in the google play store using a machine learning um, algorithm to incorporate app quality signals and this is why this is bad, because we might be like, oh, cool, yeah, you know, you wouldn't want crashy apps to maybe be higher up. But more importantly, why are they in the Play Store to begin with? This is the whole entire promise of having a central repo for applications, the guarantee quality, the guarantee security, the guarantee, like, I don't know, I oh my, this is dumb. Just vet out bad apps. Like, uh, one thing that's, that's that, that would, this would punish, I, I'm actually, like, not sure, like, if the algorithm is accounting for... Save that. Say if an app uh, just recently up, uh, releases an update, and they they an, uh, an, uh, a regression uh, slipped into the uh, update that that causes crashes uh, a lot. Uh, would that like immediate? Would that immediately start down ranking the app? Would that uh, would that punish that app immediately? Like, or do you get like some sort of grace period before we like? Oh yeah, like I fucked up. Uh, I gotta fix that bug real quick. Uh, because uh, machine learning can be good and it can be very, very bad because uh, machines are like, if you just give it an algorithm and it's going to just do exactly as it. Uh, Google's machine learning stuff. Uh, it's good until it's, until it's not. Like even then too, I would say in general. So on iOS, right? If your app crashes during the app review, it is denied. Same thing with Windows, with Microsoft's um, app review process. So... Why, why can't Google just do the same? Like it doesn't. Well, to be fair to to be fair to Google, the problem with uh, doing that is is I, for for iOS, there's only a limited uh, set of devices uh, to test for. So if 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 you can just run like an automated test suite uh, that just runs the app and checks if it uh, actually runs uh, properly without crashing. But but Android though has like what. 10, 20 devices that a majority of all Android users on devices that can access the Play Store are using. It's mostly Samsung phones, right? Like Google could probably just buy all 20 of those phones and run a, a test suite for it. Like, you know what? Like I, that's an acceptable compromise, you know? If like for 10, like for the 10 most popular Android devices, if your app does not crash on it, you can get, you're good. Because you know what? I'd be okay with that. Maybe it's going to crash on some no-name Android phone, whatever, it's a no-name Android phone. But if you can guarantee that it'll work on the top 10 ones, fine. Or at least they should be testing it on pixels, uh, minimum, uh, just, just at the bare minimum. But the thing is, uh, all of this stuff is automated. Like the Google Play Store is as automated as possible. Like it's, 
they like uh, like it's really easy to push uh, app updates on the Google Play Store. Like it's like really fast. Like as, as we all know, like uh, on iOS, it takes takes a while. Um, it used to be it used to be much slower on iOS, but it's 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 a, it's a bit better. Uh, but it still takes a while. But on Android, it's it's basically once once your app is published, updates to it are like basically instantaneous uh, as soon as you do uh, roll out. Uh, so I mean. As adding human intervention would mean that it, the process would get a a lot slower, but so yeah, that's 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 Google. Uh, that's our bad stuff of the week. Uh, moving on from bad stuff, we move on to some uh, cool new cool new stuff. Mozilla uh, has a new file transfer service uh, called Firefox Send. Uh, this is one of their uh, test uh, pilot projects. Uh, that's this is a file transfer project that's uh, like re- really easy to use. Like it's one to one file sharing. So you upload a file, you give the link to another person. The person downloads the file. The file gets deleted. Uh, that's that's basically how that works. And this is actually in twenty seventeen solving a lot of problems that actually like me and Christian. Whenever we have to share our uh, the podcast recordings, uh, it's, it's it's a pain in the ass. Like you make a shared folder and then uh question runs out of space okay, can i just talk about this so yeah like so if we um doing doing business collaboration stuff on the internet uh hashtag marketing or hashtag business is a pain in the ass if you are just trying to do something small scale so for like the rate the, the podcast network right it's four people right now four or five people depending on the day of the week I don't need a Dropbox enterprise account. I don't need a Dropbox business account. I don't need a Google. I don't need to use a G Suite, right? <laughs> like, I it's just we're just sending files to each other. I do most of the stuff myself, and trying to get files over it's a mix between like Google Drive and Dropbox, and sometimes OneDrive. Because so like how Dropbox works is like I only use Dropbox for sending podcast files, and if someone makes a shared folder that counts against your quota, right? Even though it's like their shared folder and they're sharing their files with you, all of the space in that shared folder will count against how much space you have used in your own personal Dropbox, which does not make sense to me. Google Drive is the same way. And uh, OneDrive is also similar, but OneDrive because of uh, the amount of Surface devices that me, or Surface and Windows Phone devices that me and Static have gone through through the years, we have enough Office 365 to ensure for like the next four years we're never going to run out of space. Yeah, so these days we use uh, a, a OneDrive uh, shared folder uh, for sharing uh, sharing files. But so, but this uh, Mozilla's new file transfer service. This is uh, this is actually really cool. I think uh, uh, service like this. Also, there's a question of how long this is going to last. Like you know, Mozilla is not like you know, like it's this is like a test pilot project. It might go away. It might not. Um, so. Like use use that as you will. Like it's 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 meant to be one to one quick sharing. It's not meant to be like uh like a permanent host or anything. Obviously, uh, yeah. It's um and there's also a web page you can go to testpilot.firefox.com, which will contain more of their um experimental features. Like an interesting one they have right there is called a uh, containers, and it essentially. It lets you create profiles in Firefox for all of your online lives, custom labels and color-coded tabs to help keep different activities like online shopping, travel, planning, or checking work emails separate. They also store cookies in the caches separately. So it's as if you're having different profiles, but it's in the same UI, right? So I could have, for example, um, common, actual common issue, my personal Twitter account and the podcast network's Twitter account, right? 
that has to be one in a regular window, one in an incognito window, because Twitter doesn't support having multiple accounts open. With this, you can just have both of them at the same time. Like, I could use this because, like, uh, like keeping work stuff separate from my uh, own stuff, right? Uh, like, having a different profile or just for work stuff would be really cool. This, actually, I have to try all these out. There's a lot of other features, like... Uh, snooze tabs like you can dismiss a tab uh, and it'll like open an alarm and to open them later stuff like uh, a notepad uh, a minvid so it's like uh, like minvid is like that feature on uh, on, on new ios versions like on the ipad it's the uh, what, what is it called like I, like you put the video to a side oh like, picture in picture picture yeah, in picture pic- picture in picture uh, style video so you have like a little youtube or vimeo uh thing that that plays the video while you while you are on other pages uh which is also very useful to me because i always i watch a lot of youtube videos uh while reading other stuff so it's uh it's it's all these i think we mentioned uh i think we mentioned like uh an episode or two ago right about firefox's new uh updates with the uh the electron not (laughs) electrosis electrosis the uh out of process tab stuff right so Firefox is is really interesting now. My, as I've said before, my only issue with Firefox is that they don't use bouncy scrolling on Mac OS, but that's just me being a little dumb. But Firefox tried out, support Mozilla, they're doing good work. And with a lot of these test pilot things, they're bringing back what made old Opera good. Yeah, a lot of these features are really like sort of, uh, these are, some of these are power user features, some of these are convenience features, and uh, I, I'm a fan. Uh, this, this, this just gave me an incentive to try out uh, and use Firefox for uh, I already use Firefox, but I use Firefox a lot more. So that's Mozilla. Uh, moving on, uh, Christian's uh, topic uh, is Microsoft Eye Control for Windows 10 uh, is now available. So Christian, you can take this one. Microsoft announced that, or they actually they announced a couple of days ago. I was about to say at build, but this one wasn't announced at build. It was um, earlier in the week they announced that you can now control Windows 10 by using an eye tracking device. And this is obviously a really useful accessibility um feature because of there's some folks who don't have motor control proper in their hands right they can't use a mouse and a keyboard both their hands because of whatever reason and so you can just look at the screen it there's a video demoing it on uh that we'll have in the show notes which you can always find at twoshadesofbrown.com and essentially there's like a little crosshair that uh replaces the mouse and you just kind of look around and then if you uh you can use it with a mouse. You can use it with just your eyes. And there's gestures and all that stuff. And even cooler is, so you know shape writing, right? On uh, phones, where you essentially just drag letter to letter. You can do that with your eyes now to input text. Which I think is really useful, even if you are not someone who needs this accessibility feature. Yeah, like often often uh, people ask like uh why this why is this feature like important like why is the thing like well I can use my mouse faster or I can use my keyboard faster but like uh, uh accessibility is important um like not everybody can use a mouse uh a mouse or a keyboard uh so I mean more ways to make computers easier to use is is definitely a plus for me uh this is like the eye tracking stuff is obviously very cool technology too like samsung has been trying this actually for a long time on like the note devices i think or the samsung uh like they have been doing some uh eye tracking stuff but it's hard to do obviously with a phone camera 
uh, it'd probably be much better with with a better webcam uh, available. Oh well, this uh, the one on uh, the for this Windows Ten thing, it requires a specific um, eye tracking device. So I think it's it's a it's a camera that has a bunch of infrared sensors in it that will just fixate on your eyes and can it can like find or precisely figure out what you're looking at. Yeah, the eye tracking stuff is really cool. Uh, applications for accessibility, applications for video games, a lot of cool things that you can do. Uh, definitely a very nice thing to look forward to. Uh, moving on from uh, Microsoft's eye control, we have a phone review, uh, a phone um, Motorola Z2. Is it Z or Z? Um, I'm an American. It is Z. I, I speak the right English. <laughs> uh, Br- British British listeners, you can you can add Christian on Mastodon about that, but uh, just know that you're wrong. Um, and localization for uh, proper English in Mastodon will be hitting it within the next couple of weeks. Uh, Moto Z two fours uh, is is more uh, sorry Motorola's latest uh, flagship. Uh, flagship phone. Uh, the thing is, everybody's everybody's being very uh, everybody's been very down on it because even though it has top of the line specs, uh, it's it's too expensive. Uh, the camera is not camera is not too like good. The speakers speakers the speakers has low volume. It has worse battery life than the previous generation and uh, no waterproofing, and of course uh, no headphone jack. Uh, and also as well. The previous generation had a much larger battery, and just for the sake of thinness, they cut it off by almost a thousand milliamp hours. Like it's a sizable reduction reduction in battery size, literally just for thickness. Yeah, it's just this. Like they're trying to sell the Moto mod, like the battery mod. Uh, obviously, I I'm still questionable about the practicality of uh like the Moto mod system. Like you know, like it can be cool, but like. How much are you really sacrificing here? Like it's, it's just like if you need if if I need to buy a like a hundred dollar battery, essentially it's a battery case. Like it snaps onto the back. It's basically a battery case to get the same battery life as last year's model. Like that's not cool. Yeah, that's that's a downgrade. Like come on, like that is how how are you gonna sell that as an upgrade? That's that's also it's 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 hella expensive uh, at that price. It's. That you can get much better phones, like at that price level. Like if you're buying, uh, say like this is like eight hundred dollars, right? It, uh, it be- it quickly becomes like at that price range, you can get much better, like a much better camera. Yeah, you can buy a Pixel or you can buy an iPhone, and also too, this phone has that plastic front screen, like the display on the front. It's coated in in thick plastic, so it essentially makes the phone shatterproof. But because it's in thick plastic, it's super susceptible to scratches. And these are like invisible scratches, right? Because that's the, that's the benefit about Corning Gorilla Glass is that it scratches up, but you don't see it that much unless you have it in the right light or if you're like really magnified into the, or you magnify into the display itself. But when you do like a plastic display, it won't shatter, yes, but it will scratch really hard and really visible. Yeah, so the thing is called Shatter Shield. Uh, uh, so I've heard about this. This is like... It's. I mean, if if you're if you're looking for like a screen like that's like really like pr- prone to like proof uh, to shattering and like like I I'm not like there's not much to sell on the phone here like what like what what is like appealing like I'm not seeing anything that is like a distinct feature like 
like that you won't be able to get another phone or at least make a compromise. That's like been the problem with a lot of like these recent Android phones, right? It's like what what really makes us appealing over just getting a Pixel or a Galaxy S8 or an iPhone, right? Because at this point, making a good phone is not, especially when it's at this price, it's like that's so everyone can make a good phone like that. Just you can go to like some like some factory in shanghai and just get some parts and make a decent phone out of it but if you're not doing anything interesting if you're not doing anything creative with your phone then why are people going to look at it when they're already like they know that samsung for the most part can make quality products and they know that the pixel nexus line whatever is always going to be decent and that iphones are going to be great what's what separates us out from the rest of the pack yeah this is uh, like i'm not i'm not seeing anything like people have been like yeah, the reviews have been like not kind to it. Uh, it's 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 yeah. At this point, it's it's not a good look. Motorola uh, after being bought by Lenovo, people were like, oh, "Well, that's it, that's it for Motorola." And I'm, uh, it's hard hard to say. I mean, it has it has stock Android, so there's that, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, but you can still get that on the Pixel, and the Pixel is, uh, I think, a better. Uh, moving on from, uh, we're going to be doing a design topic. Uh, we're going to be coming back to look at uh, Microsoft's new design language, uh, Fluent Design. Yeah, so if you guys, like, uh, right a couple weeks ago, we had a bit on it. And it, I, I feel like we, we came away from it. Like, I was a bit negative on it, right? But it was, like, one of those situations where it's like, okay, you have this new design system. You have the abstraction of it. Now let's see how it comes out in practice. There's an Xbox One update, the fall Xbox One update. Since I believe that they don't call them, even though it's Windows 10 now, it's not like the create the fall creators update. I think uh, Microsoft just calls it like the fall update for every year. And so essentially, they redid the dashboard. Uh, it's minor design tweaks. It's not a huge overhaul, but it um, is now using the Fluent Design System um, stuff. So the typography grid, the uh, icon design, and how item elements are spaced and how they look. So certain um ui elements have the acrylic on it now and there's that sort of neon highlighting for like selection there's thicker fonts uh bolder text sizes or bigger text sizes rather and some of the um interaction paradigms have changed a little bit so for right now on the dashboard when you press the x button it brings up like the quick access guide whatever they call it and it's basically you go up and down uh to select a ui element right for the uh for parties for your messenger messaging list uh your friends or whatever right and um so in the new system it's a vertical bar you go left to right to switch between tabs now which is i actually think is a much better change because it before you'd have to you'd go into like if i want to go from a my friends list to a party i would open up the thing scroll up to the party press right and that'd be in like the the party settings but to go back to my friends list you have to press left then go back up to the um party or to the friends list rather and then with the new system you just go left and right so i can go from friends list to party and then back without having to hop through an extra menu which is useful and i also like how so when you were like so if i was um on statics profile and I wanted to view his full profile, not the uh, preview they give you in the in the quick guide. You it would uh, pop up as like this big uh, UI element, sort of like in the middle of the screen, right? Sort of like a moto dialog box, I think, kind of like that. But with the new system, it's like a stack of cards, right? So the quick guide pops up over whatever you're looking at. There's a drop shadow behind it, and then when you go to uh, if I go to Sax profile, it's gonna pop up again. 
uh, a little shifted to the right, so it looks like a like a stack of cards, kind of, and then show me his profile there rather than um, doing like this big modal display in the middle of the screen. It's a small thing, yes, but it it's it helps with the flow of the design. It it it's the thing that um that Android's always been bad at until like material design, right? It's like animations are being used to like sort of draw a straight line from where you're coming from in the app, which I am actually really excited about. Because it's, it's all over. There's a video, right? And it's, like, all over it. But uh, what do you think about it? So, like, uh, like let me start with the Xbox One. Like, uh, I've had Xbox One for a while, uh, for a while now. And when I first when I first got, got the device, uh, like, it's, the UI was not good. Let's just, let's just let me just say that uh, up front. Uh, it was this is the Windows, the Windows 8-based version, right? Or... Yeah, it, this was back when Master Chief Collection first came out, uh, as you remember, um, a bad time for Microsoft overall. Um, yeah, and it, like when I first got it, I got it for Halo. I didn't like when, I, but when I first started using the UI, I was just like, "This is bad. This is clunky as hell. It's slow. It's hard to navigate. It takes forever to do anything. It's just, uh, just not, not good. Like it's not simple. Like to just to get the game, just to find where my games are, it's just like extremely slow." Uh, but for but uh, over the years, uh, fast forward to twenty seventeen uh, when they started doing the Windows ten changes, um, and it beca- it started becoming much smoother and much faster. And right now it's 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 right now it's in a pretty good state. Uh, still a little bit cluttered, but I think it's still much better than what it was it used to be. Uh, and I think the stuff I've seen in the video here, it's it's like just looks much much smoother. Like a lot of clear fonts. Uh, notice Christian will point out um, the fonts are all like bold fonts like they're not uh, not thin fonts so it's like clear to read like uh, when you're sitting sitting uh, at a TV distance and yeah, just overall like as much as much as they can reduce the amount of interaction you need to like get to common things like uh, party chat or like friends list or like launching games or launching Netflix you know, like that's 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 all I want. Like, I like I don't even like exactly care about what design elements to use as long as it's smooth and uh, and fast. Uh, that's that's my key, smooth and fast. Uh, my key design. Uh, per, per, like uh, the it? yeah, like like the most important guidelines to you, or like not guidelines, like the most important interaction models are ones that are fast and smooth. Yeah, it's like it's like I want like I like what I like about. Uh, the one thing, like, let me let me compare and contrast uh, to to the PS4, uh, to Sony's uh, Sony's UI. Um, it's Sony's UI, as everybody who's familiar with Sony's design for the last what ten years, uh, it's, it hasn't changed. The cross media bar. Yeah, it's right? like the XMB uh, design, which it, it's it's slightly better than the PS4. It's different from what the PSP, the uh, PS3 had. Um, but the PS4 UI is very like. Like the one thing I like about it is it's clear. Like you know exactly where to go to get what. Like all the icons are very clear. It's it's fast, uh, it's smooth. It's it's uh, there's no confusion. Uh, and like your games, like your content is up front and center, so it's really easy to get get to them. And it's just overall like a much better experience. Like I was surprised how much better actually was. And and stuff like this is important because you know people don't want to be frustrated while they're trying to. Like you know, use your console. That's, that's not an experience you want. Uh, I, I'm glad that Microsoft is improving on it. Like uh, I'm glad it's it's getting better. It's still has a way. It still has a bit to go, but you know, uh, I'm hopeful it'll get better. Yeah, and there's the uh, there's like the well before before we like wrap wrap it up though, right? There's still the there's the content feed on the main page, 
that I do want to talk about because that's it's, it's interesting. So essentially, right now, if you open up the Xbox uh, One feed or dashboard, whatever they want, whatever Microsoft calls it, they change the name of this thing every week. So you have like, if I put in a disc for Mass Effect, it's going to be the first content block, right? Like the first tile is going to say play Mass Effect or play the most recent game, right? So if it was Halo, it's going to have Halo and it's going to ask me if I want to hop back into it. And then below, it's going to be like a reverse chronological feed of the most recent things you played. So if you for me, it'd be like Halo, Mass Effect, probably Destiny or YouTube or whatever. And then you scroll down and then you get your pins. But they redid that system. So the first thing you see is always going to be the pre- like the last used game if you want to hop back into it. But they're now going to put like activities into that feed. So like if they say you play a lot of Overwatch and there's a new Overwatch update, it's going to have the developer video as you scroll down to it. And then the last thing on that feed is going to be the um, your pins. And of course, you can always press the one of the triggers and it takes you straight to your pins as it's been doing for the past two updates. But I think that's interesting, right? So use a little bit of machine learning to figure out which games you play the most. And then say like if there's an update to it, um, PS, with how the PS4 is the same way, change logs don't pop up in games usually. Um, on Steam, they do, I think. Uh, no, no, nobody. Change logs are something you have to go to the the developers forums to uh, look it up. Uh, it's, it's not really common on, like on PC, it's more people read the change logs, but they're usually available on like an external forum or the Steam forums. Uh, but uh, on on console, how uh, how it works on PS4 is like you, when, you, when you hover over a game, it like it opens like this feed to the bottom, like that has like news about the game, like if there are any updates or like uh, if there's like any DLC that just came out or whatever. Uh, you know, it's just it's just right there. So yeah, the, I mean, this is this is good. This is uh, this is this is actually a good design. I think I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how it looks uh, when it when it rolls out. Yeah, especially because uh, it it proved me wrong about fluent design. I'm gonna admit it. You know, I was wrong. I thought it was bad, but now that I'm seeing how it works in um, Windows 10 proper, piece with uh, a lot of the insider previews, um, some of the apps like Groove Music, for example, I switch over to uh, fluent design has acrylic. And all that kind of stuff. It's not terrible. It actually, it's like tastefully done. Um, it's not as like gross as what uh, what's it called? Windows Vista was or Windows Seven was with the glass effects and all like the highlights and all that stuff. But it's like it reminds me of the Zune and how and how things move around, right? Because like when when Microsoft went from the Zune to Windows Phone Seven, a lot of the fluidity in terms of like uh animations and all that got scaled back a bit piece of the hardware piece on the zoom right if you wanted to open an album it'd have like this really nice animation or like you remember the zoom desktop app i don't know if you ever used that as a music player but it was like very heavy on animations but in a way that made sense and fluent design is heading in that direction so i can appreciate what they're doing and it's better than material design oh that's a contentious uh opinion i suppose but um i mean it's not really designed in the same way like uh, material design is really uh like the goals are not quite the same. Like I think material design is more about feeling like you're touching something that is like a material. Well, I, it, but Google fails at it though, right? That's the thing. Like fluent design is doing what it says. It, it is fluent. Using it, looking at these animations, it's fluent. Things have a better sense of place and they all make sense. Whether or not you, dis- you disagree with like some of the color choices, that's subjective, right? Like maybe I don't like the, the exact shade of blue they use for their neon highlights or like how much it flares up, but at least I understand what they're doing and I understand, and it does give a better sense of place than what we have right now. But with material design, right, it's just like, whoosh, animations and color because we can. 
it tries to be too playful, which does not make sense in every in every situation. Like you don't want I don't want my my IDE to have like animations that splash around. I don't need my audio editor to do that either. And you know, in material design, it's everything should and Google keeps switching their own guidelines, right? Like it used to be top navigation for everything, and but now Google's like maybe use bottom. Who knows? Yeah, they're they're going bottom uh, because taller phones are becoming a trend, and with taller phones, you want to move as much stuff from the top as possible because it's hard to reach the top. Uh, so, so yeah. Yeah, it's a bottom bottom based navigation is is gonna be. I, I I have a feeling that it's gonna get more popular as as the years go along because of how phones are designed right now and how they're going to be designed in the future. Uh, tall taller screens mean that bottom based is gonna be more prevalent. And with that, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this week. Uh, you can you can you can find me on a Mastodon uh, at statistatementmastodon.zomaclaw.com. Christian. I am at C-C-O-L-O-C-H-O at C-Y-B-R-E dot space. Wow, I've gotten really good at that. <laughs> I think the first the first two episodes were like I had the new name. I was kind of tripping up over it. But no, I'm getting good at spelling out my own uh, Mastodon handle. Go me. Also, also you can email us, uh, obviously, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. And the show notes are obviously going to be also at twoshadesofbrown.com. And with that, goodbye. Bye.